We're reaching the end of September. We are hip deep in high school football season. So like death, taxes, and somebody saying the breakwater should go away, it's routine that we're talking about transfers in the CIF Southern section, obviously all over the Long Beach local area. And we still don't have an answer, but that doesn't mean we're not gonna talk about it. I'm JJ, he's Mike, he's Tyler. We are the 562.org. This is our weekly podcast. We want you to get involved. Please find us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, and let us know how you feel about the transfers. Because Mike, it's kind of getting out of control in a new way this time. And obviously, before we dive headfirst into this, just a quick shout out to Long Beach Gives, the presenting sponsor of everything happening at the 562 right now. Go to longbeachgives.org to find your charity to support. That includes the 562, as a matter of fact. And JJ, you hit it on the head. Transfer is always a topic at this time of year. It has certainly flared up recently because of some forfeitures at school. Now, knock on wood, we're not talking about Long Beach schools right now. We're talking about all of the Southern section. Forfeitures at some other schools. Uh, One school who played a player that had not been cleared yet that the CIF is currently weighing very serious action against. Um, Cathedral High School uh, had enough uh, illegal transfer activity that the CIF hit them with a postseason ban for this year. Um, and their coach is gone. So it's always a topic. It does seem like the new CIF Southern Section Commissioner is very focused on this. I've certainly heard from a number of people um, close to the office over there that uh, would not be surprised if we see some change in the way this stuff is legislated. Um, And so we thought, the three of us have talked about it, I don't know how countless hours, but we thought it was worth us taking a look at sort of some different ways that you might change the current transfer rules. Well, and it's not just that we talk about it. We get asked about it a lot too, right? <laughs> and certainly the the transfer portal, quote unquote, it's not really a portal uh, at the high school level yet, um, but it's uh, it certainly giveth and taketh away from Long Beach schools, right? I mean, we've seen a lot of talent come in and help teams win championships, get scholarship offers, have great experiences as, you know, new players coming into, you know, LBUSD or more league schools, uh, but we've also seen a lot of players leave, you know, <laughs> and, and that happens every year, um, but clearly this is not a new phenomenon, but it is expanding, it feels, year over year. And of course, you're going to follow the precedent of what's happening at the higher levels, right? And the transfers at the college level are at a higher point than they've ever been. And so naturally, I think it just creates this climate where everyone's kind of looking for that better opportunity. But it's not there's not one size fits all for every transfer. Some are doing it for genuine, hey, my family's in a new location. Some are saying, hey, I have a bad relationship with this coach, new coaching staff, whatever it may be. And then there's others that are saying, you know, I'm trying to up my profile. I'm trying to get playing time, whatever it is. Some are, you know, valid good reasons. Some people may question, but are still good reasons in a lot of ways, right? If the end goal is a college scholarship or, you know, having fun (laughs) with your friends, like there's just so many, it's just such a complex, topic and hard to really nail down uh, an answer for so many different paths for students. We don't need to do this right now, but I think you just kind of hit it on the head, Tyler. The difference between why do you play high school sports for the chance of getting a college scholarship or for the chance to play ball with your friends? I think that's what a lot of people who went to school in years past played for. That's what they were about. The neighborhood, the guys I went to middle school or the guys I played football with, right? And now I think there is a little bit more of the snake oil salesman around high school football where it's like, come to my school and you'll go to USC. Well, that's not true for everybody. Well, and whether it's snake oil or not, you know, it is true. Like we've heard, like Dan Munson told us at one point, like every NCAA basketball player thinks they're going to play in the NBA. 
like every one of them. There are well, yeah, because every AA coach that they ever had told them they were going to right. But there's hundreds of kids who are on JV as juniors in Long Beach right now who think they're getting a college scholarship in their sport, right? Like that is it, you're absolutely right. That's changed. Um, just to give a quick level set, because Tyler made the great point. We do get asked about this all the time. I would say more than 50% of the time people talk to me about it, they have one of the following couple facts incorrect. So I just want to level set. The current system is as such. If you transfer in the offseason and you don't move your residence, you would be what's called a sit-out period transfer. You sit out the first 33 to 40%, basically the first month of whatever season you're in. You're immediately eligible. You're automatically eligible. You're good to go. That was what the CIF put in place kind of as a compromise because, as you guys said, transfers are up everywhere. Eric Sondheimer just reported we're on pace to break the records for transfers in the southern section and the state of California in high school this year. Um, so the SOP was the CIF's compromise. You can move and you can, you know, you just have to sit out this period of time. Um, the addendums to that are if you move, you have what is called a valid change of residence, then you are immediately eligible. Well, as Rob Weigod, the former Southern Section Commissioner, pointed out to us, once they put the SOP rule in place, all of a sudden, everyone was moving. <laughs> um, you can also uh, get eligibility as what is called a hardship transfer, which is a variety of other circumstances. We don't need to get into the whole uh, rigmarole. But that is what the current system is. And the other change I would make is I see people all the time on social media saying, this was an athletically motivated transfer, blah, 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 blah. They removed that language. You are allowed to transfer. I mean, people always have transferred for athletic reasons. You're allowed to acknowledge that that's the case. So whenever people are saying that on social media, yeah, it doesn't matter. You're allowed to say, this is the best water polo program in the city. That's why I want to go there. Just like if a freshman found a love for chemistry and then a high school down the street that wasn't theirs had a great chemistry program, you should be able to transfer to the great chemistry program. It's the same thing. Yeah, well, and that, and that's like, as, as you guys were just to really dive into it now, right? As you guys were just talking about, that's what I always come back to. Like, there are some kids who just want to play high school sports to play with their friends. There's some kids who want to play high school sports because they're chasing a college scholarship. There's an enormous amount of, uh, amount of people being judgmental around that. And my response to that is people are allowed to take band class for whatever reason they want to take a band class. If you want to just have fun in seventh period, that's cool. If you want to go be a professional musician, that's also cool. I think you're allowed to, you should, you shouldn't be judged for chasing a college scholarship. You shouldn't be judged for not wanting to chase a college scholarship, which some kids are as well, by the way, I say as a guy who did not hold his kid back, who was born in July, who, <laughs> who graduated 17. I hear that all the time from, you know, other baseball parents and stuff like he's going to graduate at 17. You could have held him back twice. <laughs> yeah. But Vincent's him. So you don't have to hold him back. So, you know, he's a dog, so he'll be fine. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, and you make that point of like we're, we're really only having this conversation about athletics right because it doesn't it doesn't matter if you want to sing in a different choir or be in a different play production program it's only when it comes to athletics that we're making these rules and and so a lot of people listening might say well why don't athletes just do the sit-out period like why do the song and dance of avoiding that well uh, film's pretty important if you do have that goal of going to the next level, right? And you look at an example um, at Long Beach Poly. There's <laughs> an athlete that currently has a scholarship offer that he didn't have before that transferred into Poly from a, a much smaller program. He would not have his future lined up at this current moment if he hadn't moved and and had done the sit-out period, right? So that's a direct opportunity where you, there's value in having those games, especially, and I know it's kind of an outlier example, but that program that has the vast majority of its strength of schedule during the non-league, 
it's hard to get quality film unless you're playing some of those top teams in the nation. Obviously, the Moore League has gotten um, you know chastised for not being tough enough and all that, and certainly there are teams on the rise. But generally speaking, it's it, it, you need those games in the non-league, and so that's the the emphasis for that. And the other point I'd like to throw out there, it's like there are current restrictions on transfers, but clearly, <laughs> as you mentioned, Mike, a lot of people are doing it. A record number of people are doing it. People are going to kind of do this anyway, regardless of what the rules are. So I think taking the burden off the CIF and giving people the freedom to do what they're already doing would remove headaches and also punish kids that weren't transferring. Think of all the kids that were at Cathedral that didn't transfer in and now they can't play in the playoffs because of what other people did like to play at their school. And I'm not pointing fingers at anyone. I'm just saying they are now being punished and that doesn't feel that doesn't sit right with me. Um, so, you know, it's obviously very complex, but I'm much more of a let people have the freedom because I don't think there's anybody sitting at home saying, you know, I would have transferred, but those pesky CIF rules are in the way. So I guess I'll just stay where I am. How often is that really happening? I have a little bit of a different take on it, but I do ultimately agree with that wisdom, which is what is different about high school sports than is different about band or dance? Like, why can't you try three different high schools until you find the, the dance teacher that is like unlocking your kids potential and making them want to go to school, right? Like people do that academically. Absolutely. People do that. I see people do that in Long Beach. So what is so different about sports that we have this, the CIF was founded by, uh, you know, Harry J. Moore was one of the founders of it, which is who the Moore league is named after. It was founded basically to certify how old people were. It was founded as a reason for the championship track meets to have the authority to say to people, we want to see your birth certificate, man. It looks like you're 20 years old. You cannot come and compete. So that was a safety thing in the early 1900s. I think that the CIF still has obviously an incredibly valuable role. They do a great job with their playoffs and championships. I love the competitive equity format, but in any event, you need an organizing body to figure out championship formats for your 500 plus schools. Okay. But transfers have nothing to do with safety. It has nothing to do with like organization. It just has to do with regulating this stuff that I, I sort of agree with Tyler. Like I just never really understand what is the trouble worth, you know, well, when you're well, dealing with high schools that whether you're a private or a public school, it's, it's an open enrollment state. You're allowed to go to those schools if the private school or the public school accepts you. Well, you, you made a great point earlier when we were talking about this, Mike. You're like, how much parenting do you expect the CIF Southern Section to do? Because, you know, a lot of stuff that gets lost in uh, just the rigmarole of sports is they're also – Students, they're student athletes, right? It comes first. And moving schools and classrooms and teachers and friends is a lot more detrimental to your academic success, I think, than it would be to your athletic success, especially in certain sports where it's maybe a little bit more individual than team. I'm looking at you, track and field. And I think that there is a way you can look at this where instead of doing the uh, student athlete and the you know the academic thing, that it's all mixed in together, right? So that you almost have to get signed off on for the uh, academic part as opposed to just the athletic part. Because you're right, the CIF shouldn't be parenting, but guess what? Some parents need help. Yeah, and uh, you know, and we have to decide as a community that upholds high school sports, like what do we value? Like I, I'm, it, it's also not a safety thing that kids have to have a 2.0 GPA to compete, um, but I think most of us would agree that that's good to have a baseline GPA. However, during the pandemic, they waived that requirement, and I thought that it was correct. Now, if you look at 2023 versus 2020, 
Is it still harder to do well in school if you are impoverished, if you don't have high-speed internet at home, if you don't have a ride to school? Yes. But now it's, right? Like, so you can look at all those things. I wouldn't propose big changes like lowering the GPA required to play and stuff, but I I do think there's like equity-minded people out there who've made those proposals. I would say in response, so Tyler's proposal effectively is open it up. You know, (laughs) well, at least at least open it up for the kids who had their high school careers affected by COVID-19, at least right now. Right. If you're going to tell a kid that they lost an entire year of being in school, a year plus, and then you're going to tell them that they can't go to a place they're going to have more opportunity to do the thing that got taken away by a global pandemic. That seems like a massive overreach. So for me, you know, I would maybe not fully open it up, but I do think that the top priority to me is removing the address component. I think that it is just everything about it is bad. Um, I but, but you mean the address component is in you have to have an address near the school you, in order to attend there. No, no, no. It, no, the moving – that moving allows you immediate eligibility, right? Like I, and that's where all of these schools are getting into trouble is kids – Using an address, you know, whatever to get eligible. The way I think of it is is, is, is is this. First of all, everything has changed around like, you know, living in Southern California, around the cost of living, around the percentage of people who rent versus own. Like the world is very different than it was even five years ago pre-COVID. I just think it's a really bad – like it opens a horrible door – to have it to where you're going to have people taking pictures inside of houses, windows to try and prove, oh, this kid doesn't really live here. Whatever. Will have like, or already have? Already have, yeah. right? And I think that if everyone were to take a deep breath and step back from this question and just imagine resident certification and anonymous tips factoring into every any other part of public or private education, we would all agree that that's not <laughs> – <laughs> it's it's not really like a safe or a good model. So my system would be your dress has got nothing to do with it. You go to school where you're going to school. It's a it's public education. You can roll at different schools. You get into a private school. It doesn't matter where you live for a private school either, right? I would say your first transfer you get is free. Congratulations. You're at your new school. You're eligible. Something didn't work out. That's totally fine. It's education. You're at another school. Your second transfer, whether you have moved houses five times in this time or not, your second transfer is a sit-out period no matter what. Whether you have a hardship transfer, whether you have a whatever else, if you're on your third high school, you're now required to tap the brakes, give up something in return for that you know, freedom, and sit for a month. And then after that, so you would now be on your, your third transfer, your fourth high school, it would be a year sit-out period, again, regardless of the reason. Now, that would be legally challenged. Uh, the CIF has had a pretty good track record on cases where they have gone through the, you know, through the legal process. I know it's very expensive them to do that, but that would be my suggestion as a way to tap the brakes on the program, remove the, you know, like when Sondheimer tweets about the transfers and stuff. I don't, ca- I don't care when kids transfer. It just does not bother me in the slightest. Um, we've known kids, and I'll use as an example as uh, Sam DiCarlo. Um, you know, it went from his hometown to Servite. He did not like playing baseball at Servite and he transferred to Milliken. He had the best time of his life. He was playing with the kids that he grew up playing with. He got a college scholarship to the University of Washington. No part of me is bothered by that whatsoever. You know what I mean? Other than that, I wish we'd compete a little harder um, as a, you know, as a school district or as a, a, the culture of our city to keep those kids in the city in the first place. But like, I don't, it doesn't bother me for a kid to transfer schools. What does bother me is the potential to, like Tyler said, 
punish a whole program or school or city by removing playoff eligibility, by forfeiting games. Like these, th- that's the ugly part of high school sports that none of us enjoy. We don't enjoy reporting on it. Um, people, I mean, we've seen it happen, unfortunately, at every school that we cover. It is a pa- emotionally traumatizing, painful experience. Um, and so that's what my system would just make it about the number of schools. Remove all the other stuff um, and thus hopefully have something that's a little bit uh, less legally assailable and that has less loopholes for people to t- try and take advantage of and thus get caught for trying to take advantage of. And, and I think that's a good idea, Mike, and I, w- I would definitely support that. I just think having it a little bit more blanket of saying we're just not really going to get involved and we're going to give you the freedom to go and play wherever you want. Because I also hate the idea of kids getting scapegoated as like you're the reason we had to forfeit these games or whatever. And I that just sucks because the kids aren't making those decisions. They may like a particular school or think, oh, I'd like to play there. But they're not the one uprooting the family or saying like, oh, no, you're definitely getting taken to school at this location, right? The parents are involved in that decision. I think when we look at this transfer situation, I think everybody would agree, right? The best case scenario is everybody picks the right school to go to and stay there their whole four years, right? And the, and the, and the coach doesn't change, and you're right. <laughs> Which they don't have to do a sit-out period if they right. change jobs and get more money, right? Um, but I think that's the best case scenario. You've got synergy. You get to know your teachers and the campus. You build school pride. Yada, yada. I mean, all of that, right? But it's not realistic. And so if you said for next season there's no limits on – a transfer. If you want to change schools, you let us know you change schools. It's automatically approved. There's not going to be any lawsuits to deal with because I know you were saying it would certainly mitigate that, the number of challenges. But ultimately, we know we're going to get there, right? Whereas if you just have the doors open and say you can go wherever you want and then it puts the onus on parents and on coaches as well. So the parents say, is this good for my son or daughter to keep moving them from school to school to school, right? That, that is hurting their education. It's got to be hurting their social life and all that kind of stuff. So they got to be responsible for their kids' happiness and success. And then also the coaches, they're providing a landing spot, right? If, if you've got a kid that's transferred to three different schools in three years and they say, look, we, you know, we want someone that's kind of, that knows the program, that's committed. You know, we're not going to automatically start them over guys who have been here. Like you've got to really earn your way and like work your way up to being a starter here. If you're deciding to do this, that would potentially dissuade people from doing it. But right now the current system exists where parents are always looking for the next best opportunity. And there's always a coach that's going to tell them whether true or not true, that they're going to have a better opportunity if they come play for me. And so I think having that a little bit open and then just having a, you know, really frank conversations about like, let's make smart decisions for kids. Let's make sure we're guiding them in the right direction and they're not just bouncing around and, you know, ending up in a hopeless situation where they never really prioritize school or they didn't get the right structure in order to move on to the next level. You mentioned it. I think there's a lot of, uh, okay, long story, incredibly short. A little over a decade ago, we saw a huge shift specifically in high school football. That's why we always have this conversation around this time of year in coaches. All of a sudden, your coach wasn't your history teacher. Your coach wasn't your PE teacher. It was more rare for your coach to be a teacher at your school than it was for your coach to be a teacher at your school. And to ask the student body to only be able to attend this school and play sports if you lived in that neighborhood And then have some sort of carpetbagging transplant come in and tell you how to live when you don't even know if they're going to be there the next year. I know I say this a lot, and it's from a movie I love. Performance reflect leadership. If we want to make these kids feel like they're at home, you have to make that home be real 
to everyone, not just the student athletes. It's got to be the adults as well. Yeah. Well, I think we solved it. <laughs> no, I, I'd love to. I'd love to hear everyone else's thoughts, right? Because people certainly have opinions on this. Because we get, we hear them, or we ask people. Uh, people look for ours. So uh, please, in the comments, send us emails, whatever. Like, get at us on social media. We want to hear what your thoughts are about how would you change it. What do you think is fair? Do you have a particular story that that you don't think gets told in this whole puzzle? Because I'm sure there's situations we're not really thinking about. But ultimately, when it comes to kids, and we can avoid forcing kids to have to forfeit games i'm usually going to be for that and i just don't see how opening the door to allow transfers as people see fit is going to increase the number of transfers i really think we've already kind of gotten to the upper end and so let's let's not treat athletes different than musicians let's find ways to not forfeit games and or take opportunities away from athletes and um you know if we have to reassess and change things we can talk about that on a future podcast we have a huge week of high school football coming up this week on Friday night. The marquee game is Milliken and Jordan. You want to see an incredible high school football highlight video? Go watch the Milliken Jordan football video from last year. It's on the site right now. And the only reason that stuff's free, the only reason it's still available, the only reason Jordan Washington is going to be able to show his grandchildren that video is because it's on the 562.org and it's for you. It's by us. It's for us. We need your help to keep doing that. It is Long Beach Gives Week. Thursday. Please get on the website, help all the nonprofits in Long Beach continue to give to this community that is so richly deserving. For Mike, for Tyler, for JJ. Here, JJ. We'll see you in the stands, guys. Peace.